Guys, breaking news about five days ago, New Mutants has a new set theatrical date, and it's August 28th, 2020. Connor, it's happening. (laughs) We talked about it last week. We didn't know. Now we do know for a fact that this is coming. Let's cross our fingers (laughs) and hope that this this is solid. Like, I really hope so. Yep, hopefully theaters are open by August 28th because there's quite a few movies still coming out at the end of this year, or at least still set to come out at the end of this year. Um, That is, of course, assuming the coronavirus does not continue to wreak havoc on the society. And, um, dude, when you posted that, I was shocked to see it. Like, my voice cracked really weird there. Um, (laughs) I had... I had just posted the Deadpool 2 clip and then um, I looked back on there like a couple. Well, that was when you like had to get onto the account. So you, you needed the information. So <laughs> yeah, I, gave it to I you. was like, and then like texting you viciously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had some some technical difficulties with our account, but we got it all fixed. So that's good. But then um, I checked back on there to see if anyone had commented or anything like that. And I saw your post and I was like what like that was the first i heard about it so freddie where did you hear about this this wonderful from news? that that the picture that i screen caps and posted on our instagram that i heard it from collider collider okay. is a news site that posts a bunch of movies news they used to have a video channel that was very successful then the guy who owned it kind of tanked everything but they always are reporting like on their instagram collider and mm-hmm. like i was really just scrolling through instagram and boom I was like, there's no way. Is this real? And I clicked on the article, read it, and I was like, I have to post this. That's when I started texting you viciously. Like, Connor, I need to get into the account because there's something I need to post. And I didn't want to tell you because I wanted you to see it for yourself. Yeah. So I was I was so glad that we got everything fixed and I was able to post it up because right. like this has literally been the movie that we have been like wanting to talk about. Ever since we, you know, started this thing, you know, we yep. we started our X Men thing. We're gonna ramp up to New Mutants, and then it got, you know, pretty much canceled at the time. Mm-hmm. And we were like, "Is this gonna get a release date? Are we even gonna see it?" And thankfully, it's getting a theatrical release August twentieth, twenty twenty, and I can't wait. Because Dang. I'm really hoping that it's uh oh sorry August 28th 2020 you know it's towards the end of that month but I am extremely excited I can't wait to finally watch this film that's been sitting on the shelf for years almost three years now me that's too so man. crazy that yeah that we're finally going to be able to get that yeah because I think this is like the the fourth theatrical release date that this has been given so this one better stick man <laughs> that's all i got it better say. stick I, I agree this better stick what's up guys it's the Cinema Seekers back with another movie that we have sought after and watched. I'm Freddie. Hey guys, I'm Connor. And you know, 
This week on Cinema Seekers, you know, we went to Netflix to watch a little film called Extraction starring Chris Hemsworth. And uh, yeah, it was definitely it's definitely a movie. I will say that. You know, we're definitely going to go in depth on this one. Yeah, dude. I this is this has been kind of interesting and will be an interesting episode, I think. Um you know, going to the world of streaming as opposed to films that have already had release dates, um, you know, before before a recording. Well, I guess technically any movie we do would have a release date before we record. But in such proximity, you know, this this film was released on um, April 24th, 2020 onto Netflix. So it's pretty fresh. And I think we're we're gonna give a couple like general thoughts before we really kind of get get into the nitty gritty. So we're, we'll try to keep it as spoiler free as we can up until that point. But after that point, and we'll give you a warning: it's you know anything can go. We'll talk about all of the deep plot points, and um, so make sure you watch it before that point if you don't want it spoiled. Yeah. So <laughs> first things first, oh, you know, like let's just talk about Netflix in general, Freddie. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I know we were kind of discussing this earlier, and we kind of had to put a pin in it because we wanted to save a little bit of it for the podcast. But if I can catch us up properly, we were basically discussing the fact that you know Netflix doesn't really report their earnings per movie, and it's it's kind of finicky the way you know, like how they would even do that in the first place, because you mentioned a a really good point. Like who's to say if a movie has been watched just by it being viewed. And also Netflix is kind of weird with that anyway, because if you're just trying to see a description on a movie, it starts playing. Like that's one of the things that's always irritated me about Netflix, but that is one of the things that Netflix does is when you're trying to look at a movie description, it will just start playing the movie like from the beginning. So uh, I don't know. It seemed to me like you had some more thoughts on it. So I want to know more. I do have a lot of thoughts about this because Netflix is interesting in the way they report their movies and stuff. Because Netflix, they'll show you a budget of the film. Like, you know, we can look on the Google page, IMDb page and see that this movie had a budget of 65 million USD. Typically, you know, that's a smaller film. However, mm-hmm. you don't know what they made on the movie at all. Right. And it's always, that's how Netflix does things. Um, you know, I'm guessing a lot of people have talked like, well, I guess they make enough money from subscriptions that they don't feel like they have to do that and stuff like that. And it's it's mm-hmm. just interesting how their platform works because it's like, it, I mean, clearly they give money to a movie, but what? What do they get back in turn is what I want to know, especially this film. Like, this is a rated R film. Rated R movies don't make a ton of money in general. So Netflix being who they are, they're already taking a risk on any movie that they put out, let alone a rated R film, which might not even make, you know, as much money because it's rated R. It's only directed at a certain audience. Well, and then and on, the, this on the on the like, uh, oh, go ahead, you can finish. You're good. It's it's like a this is like a big thing because like you know right now, at the time we're in, you know, streaming is streaming's just a thing right now because a lot of movie theaters aren't open at all. 
everyone's staying at home, watching all this stuff. And I think, you know, this movie was lucky and was able to kind of catch that tidal wave of people yeah. staying home and it was able to get watched. Because to be honest, Connor, if it hadn't been for this pandemic, I don't know if this movie would have ever been watched. And on top of that, you know, you had told me that you saw this movie at number five on Netflix's top watched movies. Yeah, at least as of now. And, you know, I personally, I don't think either of us really know how that that uh, trending algorithm works. So who knows? It could all be devised strategically by Netflix to get you to watch a specific movie. I don't know. But um, it is interesting just how the streaming works in general, because, you know, it's not just Netflix like Hulu has their own streaming originals and Amazon Prime does the same thing as well. And I'm sure there's more out there. I think those are kind of the big three, at least as far as streaming original movies and TV shows go. Oh, yep, that's true. Now Disney Plus is a strong (laughs) contender as well. Yeah, that's right. Have they had any original movies yet or just TV shows? Uh, not original movies, but the oh, Disney coming. Plus had um Disney Plus had, you know, Star Wars the Clone Wars the final season and yeah. it it became the highest streamed show over Stranger Things. Stranger Things? Yeah. Yep, over Stranger Things. It oh. got streamed over that. That's how popular Star Wars the Clone Wars was this past, you know, few weeks. Wow. So there's that. Disney's, you know, I'm sure whenever, you know, that's just Star Wars. You know, they're able to oh, get yeah, that. For sure. I'm sure when the Marvel starts coming out, they're really going to be putting some numbers out there. But numbers, I don't think we're ever going to know. <laughs> I'm honestly surprised that Clone Wars outperformed The Mandalorian. Yeah, even The Mandalorian. It's kind of crazy. But I, I can tell you why. It's because the last arc, the last four episodes... They connected mm-hmm. into um, Star Wars Episode 3. So a lot of people tuned in to learn what happens to certain characters in Episode 3. So that's why um, this mm. last arc has probably generated a lot of popularity. If you're a big Star Wars fan like I am, this arc has been one of the best arcs of the Clone Wars ever because it of how it you know bridged the gap in the films. Sure. And I think that's yeah. why it... That's, I think that's why it, you know, topped Stranger Things. But again, it's like, we're never going to know the numbers. The only people that are going to know the numbers are Netflix, Hulu, Disney, and Amazon. You know, I bet you they all <laughs> share your numbers with each other, but not the general public. Well, and then there's the question of like with the view thing or like, you know, the view count, if that's really how they determine it, surely they have to if they are going to report these numbers accurately, surely they have to only report the times that the, you know, that the movie has been played at least 50% through. Because I think even like a ticket sale at a movie theater can still like technically be like half watched or unwatched because people could leave the theater if they hate the movie or they just don't want to see it. That that's the thing. We don't know how that algorithm works. We yeah. could play five minutes of something on Netflix and they count that. We could play 20 seconds of it and they count that. Although I think it's um because, you know, you can actually you were talking about how, you know, you can go on a description of Netflix and you can like try to read the description and the movie starts playing. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that if you exit quickly, it won't 
be added to your watch list. I think you have to watch at least a solid like minute for it that, to be added yeah. to you, your continue watching. So probably that makes you wonder: Do they take you watching a minute of that film as you viewing that movie? Like, well, is that how yeah. their algorithm works? Wouldn't that but be also, very sneaky and e- suspicious? Even the fact that they have a continue watching, um, you know, part of their service, that makes me wonder if they do count. Like, that that means automatically that they know if you've seen the entire movie because it won't go to your continue watching if you finish it. And so I wonder if those are the numbers they report if they report to anyone, you know, like there's no telling if they actually do report to Amazon and Hulu and Disney plus, mm-hmm. but that is interesting to think about. And, you know, I, I don't know the answers, you know, if, if anyone has some, some weird insight to this, go ahead and comment on this, the post we do for this movie or, or just leave us a voice message on the, on the anchor app. And we'll, we'll definitely uh, put that up and, and talk about it. <laughs> well, we'll, We'll listen. Like, if it's interesting enough, I guarantee you me and Connor would make an extra podcast for you guys for a week. And you would hear our take on that. It would probably be a shorter one, about an hour, like our coronavirus one. But, you know, a little extra. Like, if anyone has any tidbits or bits of knowledge that they could bestow upon us so that we could discuss, it would be great. However, I highly doubt it because Netflix <laughs> is that secretive thing. Yeah, they're airtight. You know, if, <laughs> if you've ever... Um, Gabriel Iglesias, I recently saw him in a live show. And he actually talked about his deal with Netflix a little bit. Oh, yeah. That's it's, right. he, he said the best way to describe Netflix is Netflix is like a pimp. <laughs> which is like whoa <laughs> that's that's how you describe it he said like netflix would literally like give him money to just do stuff so I, netflix is a a business and a little shady however they still put out a lot of great content and you know our discussion today is about the specific film extraction you know starring chris hemsworth and um so we're going to try to do a little non-spoiler for the beginning. You know, it'll probably be 20, 30 minutes. And then we will yeah. tell you guys, hey, stop listening. Go watch the film. Come back and listen to our takes on it. Because once we really start getting to our points, you know, uh, you've listened too much. And I'm sorry, we probably spoiled it. But Connor, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Would you do you want to read the uh, the little um, summary they have for it? I, I'm pretty sure it's the same as on Netflix. It looks like it is, anyways. Yeah, I'll go ahead and read that. Um, so we've got Tyler Rake, a fearless black market mercenary, embarks on the most deadly extraction of his career when he's enlisted to rescue the kidnapped son of an imprisoned international crime lord. So yeah, um, I mean, I guess that's pretty accurate. This movie. You don't have the. Go ahead. You don't have the rest of the description? That's that's all it gives me, man. I have one more sentence in the description. I'm oh, okay. Because <laughs> it, it says all of what Connor said, but then it says, but in the murky underworld of weapons dealers and drug traffickers, an already deadly mission approaches the impossible. You know, just, that's what it has on my <laughs> little description. Just extra. All right. So, the. You already mentioned earlier that this movie had had a budget of $65 million, which is 
you know, I think about average for this scope of film, wouldn't you say? Like, it's not it's not a huge budget, but they also didn't have to no, do this anything is, like super this crazy. Is, it's borderline um, indie film because, you know, indie yeah. film can go up to about 40, 50 million. So this is this is in the lower class of a high budget film, but it's mm-hmm. definitely a the lower end of a higher budget film. And I don't know yeah. how they kept it at 65 million because this movie is full of action explosions and there's a lot all sorts of carnage yeah. that we're going to get in more detail later but just know that if you're going to go watch this film expect an action flick full of like carnage it does have like some down moments but for the most part this film was really like in your face action guns a blazing mm-hmm. trucks crashing things hitting things people killing people it's it's full of that stuff so if you're not into that kind of high octane thing uh, probably not the movie for you, but if you right, are, yeah, this is perfect for people like that, you know, especially if you yeah, like, yeah. you know, crime, so. crime movies. Yeah, it, it definitely like keeps you on your toes. You're talking about the downtime, mm-hmm. and there are a couple yeah. moments, but like it definitely is like, all right, is anything about to happen? Like even though you're relaxing, you know, something could happen. You just never know. That's at least that's how I felt while watching the movie. Um, but. Uh, this is actually, this movie is directed by Sam Hargrave, who, this is his directorial debut, keep in mind, which was pretty interesting when I figured that out. And so I was looking up, you know, some of the other stuff that he's done in the past. And one, one really interesting thing I figured out about him is that he started out, or maybe not started out, but he played as a stunt double for Chris Evans as um, Captain America in, I think, The Winter Soldier. And then I guess he kind of went on to be like a stunt coordinator for the MCU as a whole. So that's kind of an interesting, you know, kind of start to his career or, or vamping up to his career because this film actually has a decent amount of connections to the MCU which I know that we're going to get into, Freddie, because I know that, that you want to talk about that at some point. So I'll leave it kind of vague, mm-hmm. vague right now. But, no, it, um, I, I thought that was an no, interesting, it's interesting thing. It's, it's interesting he's the director because he was also in it. Oh, he was in it? Yeah, he was, um, he was uh, one of the snipers of the first mission, and he gets killed. That was a spoiler, Freddie. <laughs> He did. I mean, he gets killed. You know, I don't know why. <laughs> he's not. He's not an important character. I don't think. I mean, I guess if you care about him. Uh, I'm yeah, sorry, you're right. But... I don't see him anywhere. So I honestly didn't even remember that. Uh, yeah, like it's. He's like he's in the movie for like two seconds, but like he's yeah. in it. So that's kind of interesting. He directed and was in it. I actually love directors who do that. Like they. I do too. They try to do yeah. two things at once. Kind of Quentin oh, yeah, Tarantino sure. it, but yeah, that, that, and, and that, that's interesting. This is his that is his first. This is his first directorial debut. It looks like he actually did a lot of stunts for a ton of movies. He even has an award for outstanding performance by a stunt ensemble in a motion picture. I have no clue for what film, but that's pretty cool that you know he actually has you know awards for being a stunt man. Yeah, that's awesome. He, apparently, he did pretty well to like become, you know, go from being a stunt 
uh, a stunt double to a stunt coordinator for the MCU, arguably one of the biggest movie franchises ever. So that's pretty interesting. It, it looks like he also was a stunt double in Civil War. So he must have done. Um, Maybe that's the someone. one that he started in. Whatever I saw about it, it didn't specify Winter Soldier. I just kind of assumed it was because. Well, it also says he know. was the stunt double in Avengers, too. He could have just been Chris Evans' like main stunt double, but he also did yeah, some I, coordination. I think so. I think that's what it is. I could definitely see that. There's even pictures. There's a picture of him with like Chris Evans, and they're like fighting as Captain America. So that's pretty oh, cool. That's that really cool. He has that huh. tie. Yeah, it's definitely a really cool tie. Tie-in. Um, but what did you think about this movie? Like, just general thoughts on it. I'm gonna be honest. Um, for the type of film it was, it was all right for me. I've definitely seen a lot better films in this genre of okay. movie that are better, in my opinion, because I actually do enjoy the films. And you know, a bit later, I have a point that I will go into detail about this, but this is kind of like Chris Evans' um action flick. You know how. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, a bunch of those people, you know, they used to have those kind of like action films. Like Sylvester Stallone has, you know, Cobra. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but that's an action film kind of like this. And Schwarzenegger, he's had, you know, multiple like action flicks like this. Like this is what I call the modern action hero movie because that's what it, that's what it is. It's Chris Hemsworth's modern action hero film and it's it's definitely an entire genre and i definitely have a ton to say about it but i've definitely seen better films out of this um seeing that it is this guy's first directorial debut i definitely might go a little easier on it than i planned to because i didn't (laughs) know this was the first i didn't know this was the first time directorial debut and you know making a movie in general is not an easy thing to do Right, and the rating yeah. that I gave it might change uh, a point or two because I did not realize this guy directed this movie for the first time. And I yeah. got to be honest, if for a first time director, I think he did a you know pretty all right job. Not amazing, but you know he's gonna learn. He's gonna make another movie like this, and it's probably gonna be even better. And that kind of makes me excited for this this director now because you know. If this is what he can do with a $65 million budget, what can he do with $100 million? I I bet it will be even more incredible. He'll be able to flesh out a story even more because this story is, you know, definitely a pretty pretty basic, you know, saving someone gone wrong. You have to escape. It was pretty much, for me, I don't know if you've ever seen the film Black Hawk Down. It was like Black Hawk Down, but instead of like an entire army, it was Chris Hemsworth and this kid <laughs> facing this facing the town. That's hmm. that's how I perceived it. You know, I, the entire time I was watching it, I felt very similar to Black Hawk Down, which is a war movie about how the Americans were fighting in uh, in Africa. I can't remember at what point, but yeah, that's what this that's my take on this film. Connor, I'm okay. kind of interested to hear what you have to say because I know what I think, but I want to know what you think, really. Yeah. Well, I got to say right off the bat, I've not seen that movie. And also, I, you know, 
I haven't really seen a whole lot of like war type flicks, um, which is kind of sad mm-hmm. because like I do like the genre, but I usually just don't get around to watching them for whatever reason. So from that point of view, I actually did really dig this movie. So I probably gave it a better rating than you. Like I actually pretty, pretty much enjoyed it. There was a couple like things with, uh, just kind of like the direction they took it more, more towards the end, um, that I was kind of like, eh, I don't, I'm not really too sure about that. But as a <laughs> whole, like, I really dug the action in this movie and, um, uh, I liked what they did even with the characters too. Like, they, you, you know, usually action flicks, um, get the reputation of not really having good character moments. Not, not all action flicks, but I feel like that's kind of a general, uh, you know, problem with with just action heavy movies, but this one actually managed to sneak a couple really good uh character moments in, and I appreciated that as well. So I liked this film quite a bit. Not, you know, there's still some problems. Uh, we'll get to those, but as a as a general, you know, like I liked it. And also, one interesting thing is that, you know, Chris Emsworth, this like you said, this is like his modern day action flick, but he's actually been in a couple other action flicks too of course if you want to consider all any of the mcu movies action flicks there's that it's more of like a superhero genre but he was in um red dawn with josh peck a while back i don't know if you ever saw that movie yeah um, yep. it was a remake that and that was also like a very very much an action flick it's not as gruesome as this one of course it's only pg-13 but um so this True. is not his that, first foray into this genre, which is interesting mm-hmm. to talk about. Well, I do think that I know what you're saying. Like um, Red Dawn is definitely an action flick. However, Red Dawn is more of a, to me, it's more of like, you know, a kid survival film because technically those are kids, you know, trying to survive. Oh, yeah, it's um, true. A yeah. Japanese takeover, which that is a remake of the original red dawn right where yeah same premise um he was in that film 12 strong which is a very oh, similar film to mm-hmm. this one. yes yeah that Actually, was the other one i knew there was another one i couldn't think about it yeah, or i couldn't think of that's, it that's that's one i know yeah the one with I'm i haven't seen see that if... movie but uh i really did want to see that when i when there was some buzz about it and i honestly forgot about it until just now but that's that is that that's another one so he's had a couple action flicks under his belt yeah but i would say that this is his first where he's by himself it's his standalone where he's the lead yeah like in the same vein as like a schwarzenegger or a stallone film this is like if this were to have like a movie poster it would say hemsworth at the top and yeah poster would have his face and it it actually does like if you look at the little poster that's on the whatever page it literally says chris hemsworth at the top and then extraction and i'm pretty sure it says based on the book and yada 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 but it's definitely his modern action flick hmm, yeah well apparently they are already set to make an extraction too is what i'm seeing on um imdb and we're going to probably touch on that as well because i have some thoughts on on that Regarding with the you know the ending of this movie and everything, there's some interesting things that that they do, uh, but that's one of my points. So I don't want to talk about that right now. But I just mm-hmm. that's kind of interesting that they're already announcing a sequel to this movie. 
Because it's only been out for less than a month now. Well, I mean, it's not uncommon for that kind of thing to happen. Because keep in mind, um, I guess you're right. This yeah. is just an example, and of course, it's Star Wars. But um, they announced Mandalorian season two before Mandalorian season one ever came out. So, okay. like, you yeah. know, stuff like that, where it's like, isn't it a little early to announce that? You know, it. Yeah, that's how the streaming world works. Things well, yeah. happen a little quicker than i guess the theatrical run of things but it is a little scary to know that they're already planning a sequel for this film and i mean if you look at this film it's it's it hasn't like an okay rating on like the rating system sites Mm -hmm. but i don't know if it i personally do not see a sequel coming being good at this point (laughs) i i hope it's a different director and maybe that director makes it good because i would i would really rather see sam hargrave on a different film than this one at this point yeah honestly i i don't want there to be a sequel to this film i have no say in the matter Mm -hmm. but i don't think there needs to be one um just suffice it like just you know it's it's good enough to be its own standalone just just quit while you're on top. So that's my my short opinion on it because I liked the movie. I don't want it to be ruined by a sequel. Not that it would be ruined by a sequel, but you know, I don't I don't want to take the time to have to you know be obligated to watch a sequel to this movie. Anyway, uh, we've already kind of touched on it a little bit, but let's get in more of the cast. You know, Chris Hemsworth is Thor. Everyone knows that. It's kind of interesting because um, him being in india i saw somewhere that this this film was mostly filmed in a city in in india and um a lot of the people there were super excited that chris hemsworth were there was there and like they were going crazy and waiting out during uh in where the areas that they filmed for hours and hours on end just to get a glimpse of him so i thought that was pretty interesting and there's a scene later on in the movie with um a bunch of kids i'm not I'm just keeping it just right there to be spoiler free. But um, there's a scene later with a bunch of kids and I couldn't help thinking to myself like, man, they must have loved filming this with Chris Hemsworth because if I was in their shoes, I would have freaking loved that. That would have been so cool. Um, but there's uh, quite a few cast members in this and we'll try to keep keep just the main ones. But I think Probably the next in line after Chris Hemsworth is definitely um, Ovi. Mm-hmm. You want to say that name, Connor? <laughs> o- o- Ovi. Oh, gosh. No, 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 no. His real name. <laughs> <laughs> Connor, I've been sitting here. I'm going to attempt While it. you've been talking, <laughs> s- staring at this name. And I was like, I don't know if I can say it. All right, I'm I gonna hear you say it, it okay? because I'm interested. Rud Crush Jaswal, Jaiswal, <laughs> Rudha Crush Jaiswal, Jaiswal. Yeah, yeah, I don't there know. You go, guys. We, <laughs> we are American as all get out. Please so forgive sorry, us, man. We we're gonna. I I'm all right, I'm looking at. There's a bunch of names on here. There's gonna be some this, hard ones to pronounce. This is. This is one of those films where I'm so glad that they actually used people. It seems like they were native to India. And, you know, a lot of their names are Indian names. 
So yeah. me and Connor are going to have a little trouble getting these out because we're not f- f- from India. We don't have a lot of <laughs> Indian background. So please bear with us as we get some of these names out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, just apologize in advance because we're not trying to butcher your names, but um, it is what it is. We are still just going to talk about the roles that you have performed as honestly as we can. And we mean mm-hmm. no, no offense by mispronouncing names, no, but yeah, no disrespect guys. Cause I gotta say that this, uh, this kid did pretty good in this film. I know, agree, um, man. It's, it's not every day you get to act with an A plus list star like Chris Hemsworth mm. and this kid, you know, I, I'm sure this is like one of his first films or whatever, but he, yeah, he, you know, he was pretty good for what he had to do in the film. You know, he didn't, he didn't have to do much. You know, he just had to like stay safe pretty much and like live. Right. But, you know, he was, he was pretty much the plot. He's the plot of this film pretty much like because of something that happens to him. Yeah. He definitely kind of plays the role of a MacGuffin and, and the fact that like mm-hmm. everyone is trying to get their hands on him. But even despite that, like I was mentioning earlier, the character moments, he gets a couple like pretty good character moments in this film. We'll talk about this later. But, um, you know, just seeing him through those moments where he actually gets to act, um, I thought he did a really good job. And he, he did what the film wanted and more, in my opinion, in those scenes. Yeah, and I guess I mean, you want to try to say actor... you can say in the next name if you want to. Which which name do you think I'm gonna say though? I I don't know. Actually, we should probably talk about Saju next, the guy who plays Saju. Yeah, in the movie. that's that's exactly who I was gonna go for. Yeah, Randeep Huda is what it says on here. Please forgive any <laughs> missings, but that's that's the actor's names. Randeep Huda. He plays Sanju, who was a character in the film that. I'm going to be honest, I didn't care about until he started, you know, until it got to a certain point in the film. Uh, yeah. Most of this film, I personally did not, like, give a crap about. Like, there's one part where, you know, it goes to him and, it like, the movie, like, tries to make you, like, feel for him. And I just, I was like, I don't need this out there. <laughs> I don't know. I... I didn't care about him until a certain point in the movie. And when it got to that point, I was like, okay, here we go. Here's why he's here. Yeah. But I still didn't see a significance for his past, like, acting. That was the only thing about that. Like, he didn't really matter until he needed to matter. Right. And at that point, I feel like he could have just, like, minimized his role a little bit. I'm not saying he did a bad job in the role. I think he did a pretty good job for what he had. However, it... It, his character wasn't for me personally you know that's that's me he just it wasn't the guy for me yeah i i thought he did an all right job like um like you said i i also didn't really care too much until a certain point i don't know if our points in the movie when we started caring for them are the same or not but i have to say um throughout most of this movie i kept thinking that he looks like um john travolta from pulp fiction with his hair. I don't know why I kept thinking that. Because, like, his face doesn't look like John Travolta, really. I mean, maybe a little bit. But I kept thinking that the entire time because his ha- his hair looks a lot like John Travolta from Pulp Fiction. 
So I kept thinking about that, which was kind of funny. But yeah, he does an alright job. He's not he's he's probably like the definitely third main character in the film. But yeah. <laughs> well, I will tell you this. Um he looks like a manager I had at FedEx. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> I had a manager at FedEx who looked like that guy. And the funny thing was um Saji was always dressed in black the manager was literally always dressed in black like this guy and I was just like oh I don't want to see that but that's <laughs> that's what I saw I definitely see the um John Tra- Indian John Travolta yeah because of his hair in Pulp right, Fiction yeah. but yeah I I see where you're coming from yeah but yeah I mean they they it's almost like they try to give him like a, a heartfelt backstory in 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 some way like they try to make the stakes a little bit higher for him and it might work for some people. It probably doesn't for, for others. So it's kind of, you know, take it or leave it. Um, the next one I want to talk about is David Harbour, man. Like, I wasn't expecting him to be in this movie at all. And when he showed up, I was like, oh, that's that's weird. Freaking David Harbour's in this film. So what were your thoughts on his character? I was just kind of like, of course he's in this. Why yeah. wouldn't he be in this? He's in everything <laughs> Netflix now, right? Like, yeah, he's like David the Netflix Harbor. showrunner, man. Like, like that, that's just how I saw it. I kind of laughed boy when I Netflix. saw him. Because I was like, there's no way it's him. And then he takes off the glasses. I was like, it's David Harbour. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's funny because it's it would have been interesting because remember he was about to be in the Black Widow film? Yeah, he also has would have came out before Black Widow. <laughs> yeah, it's... It's just funny to see that he's in this movie. I thought yeah. he was all right. Again, uh, he was a character that I don't think you're supposed to care for, but like at the same time, nah. I just didn't even. I don't know if I needed that his entire thing in there. I feel like it was just kind of like a. We have to put David Harbour in here. How are we going to do it? Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna be. It. I'm gonna be honest. Uh, that was one of the weaker parts of the film for me. Mm-hmm. Like it does result in a good moment for for um Ovi's character, but other than that, I was like, of course David Harbour would play this role in this movie. Like I would expect nothing less. So it didn't surprise me at all or anything like that. But um yeah, I mean, you know, David Harbour's David Harbour. He's he's gonna play David Harbour basically. <laughs> he's gonna play Hopper in like every role he's in. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh I I guess the next actress we can talk about yeah i was um, was going there next too here we go i don't i don't know about this (laughs) this is gonna be fun to say golf shit (laughs) fire honey Uh, she plays nick khan which is gold shift gold shift farahani Miss Farahani. Sorry, I can say her last name way easier than her first name, so Miss Farahani. But she plays and, the character of Nick Khan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is a much and, easier name to say. <laughs> yeah, and I mean she doesn't get a whole lot to do in the film. But she was pretty good, like with what she had. She's actually in, you know, a handful of other um bigger flicks. Like she was in Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Men Tell No Tales. Uh, a very recent, the most recent Pirates of the Caribbean Caribbean movie. And she's in a movie, it looks like with Adam Driver, just from her IMDb page. I guess that's the movie Patterson, is what that looks like. 
I don't. I haven't. Oh seen yeah, it. I know what you're talking about. I haven't seen it, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So um, she. And his she name's looks not Adam Driver. Cool. His name is Kylo Ren. It's Kylo Ren. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Connor. Connor. Once you're in a Star Wars movie or a Marvel movie, you're no longer your name. You are that character's name. So Thor is the uh, main character of this. This film, is Thor. If you didn't know, exactly. <laughs> this is Thor with no powers, essentially. Yeah, this is exiled Thor. This is the alternate timeline mm-hmm. of Thor because when he got banished to Earth, this is what he became of him. Mm-hmm. His wife was actually a uh, Natalie Portman. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, the Nick Khan was an interesting character because I mean, basically, she was the she was the whole reason that um chris hemsworth character was even saving the kid you know she mm-hmm. she she didn't talk him into it you know she says he just takes it and she has an interesting line which i will get to but well yeah i mean she kind of like orchestrates it i guess in a way mm-hmm. but she like she gets more involved towards the end of the flick for sure and um yeah. you know what she does is is pretty pretty decent i thought like it wasn't like groundbreaking by any means, but she acts, you know, pretty pretty good. I I would say. And as far as other actors to talk about, the only other one I would say was noteworthy is the guy who plays uh, Amir Asif. <laughs> I cannot pronounce this guy's name. <laughs> Priyanshu <laughs> Panyuli. Priyanshu Panyuli. I'm so sorry, man. Like you did a decent job in this film. Was he, he the bad guy? Yes, he was the the drug lord from mm-hmm. Bangladesh. Um, he was the Indian Pablo Escobar. Yes, that's how they describe him in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Connor, that's that's how he looked. <laughs> no, he does. Yeah, like I kept thinking he reminds me of someone, and I honestly think it was just Pablo Escobar. <laughs> if you look at narcos pablo escobar and amir asif they're the same person just different continents that's it (laughs) all right interesting um i really thought i would have recognized this guy from another movie because he looks so familiar to me but honestly i don't recognize any of these other movies so i'm sorry man you didn't make it on my movie watched list but have seen this movie and you're in it and you did a decent job so i mean he doesn't have a whole lot to do either so it's just kind of like you know a couple scenes i mean he's, he's exactly like how they portrayed pablo escobar and narcos where he was behind the scenes and he like mm-hmm. you know conducted it he it. he basically told everyone to go do my deeds yeah like, that's yeah. how i saw this and i i do want to talk about that i it's not one of my points, however, it might become one in like two seconds, but we're definitely going to talk about that. Well, if you're ready for it, we can go ahead and get into spoilers, man. Yeah, spoilers. So, if you haven't seen the Netflix original Extraction, starring Chris Hemsworth, and you want to, <laughs> go watch it right now. And you don't want no spoilers, watch it right now. Because we're about to dive into our points. And heavily talk about everything in this film. There's going to be a lot of stuff talked about. I know especially me. I have quite a bit to say. So um, if you're ready, Connor, you know, spoiler alert. You guys 
Spoiler alert. Like, spoiler alert. I cannot say oh, yeah. enough. I'm going to put it like a really okay, loud already... siren right here for spoiler alert. So just be prepared for your ears. I personally, I want to go first. Okay, go I for it. I have things to talk about. Um, I, I want to talk about this first because I think this is one of the biggest things that happens in this film. And I really want to mm-hmm. talk about the one shot. The one shot that they did. Or the fake one shot it looked like a one shot because yes. of how they shot it this is also and one of my points so interesting it's, it's such an interesting one shot like it literally starts out as just a regular one shot where you know someone's following you know things that are happening and it's literally one person mm-hmm. however at at one point as soon as they get into that car it becomes fake like that i don't know if you noticed but every time the camera would fast turn, there was a cut. Oh yeah! So it was a. I mean, that's how they do. It those. was a. It was a fake one shot, and I mean, it's not hard to do, but it is. It, the setup for it is like you have to meticulously do everything right, and it was definitely funny because like whenever they would like turn the camera and like at one point you can tell. Chris Hemsworth and um, the kid are in a are on a like a fake car, and the background is definitely some yeah green screen. Like I, I could tell, and like I didn't hate it, but the fact that I knew it kind of pulled me out of the movie. I was like, oh, I know how they did all this. It was really cool how they did the one shot, and how, it was. But the only thing about this one shot, this one shot was freaking long. Like, dude. I, yeah i don't know how i feel about it being that long now there is a movie out 1917 that is an entirely one shot film but like this i don't know i don't know if because it was just so fast paced and of how it moved because you know netflix is popular for doing one shots especially with their series daredevil they yeah. they did the first like one shot in a superhero film and that's like one of the best one shots the one in season one and the one in season three are the best the one in season two is pretty good but i still like the one in season one and season three the best but this is like they took that idea and like times it by three and <laughs> it was like how long do you think it was like i saw 20 minutes 25 minutes okay i actually have the exact time of the continuous oh movie. man so, do you want to know what the time is? <laughs> I'm guessing 25, 30 minutes. <laughs> okay, you're overshooting a little bit because it's only 11 minutes bit. and 29 seconds. But still, like, oh, it doesn't is, feel like that. It's it's because of what's being filmed, I think. It's like, mm-hmm. it's very fast paced and like, it. I, I, personally, I think it does what it's supposed to. Like, it's supposed to bring you into that kind of hectic environment in a way that it just kind of makes you feel like you're on like ground level with them. And so it's tense and it makes you feel like, when is this going to end? And so I think that's why it makes it feel like it lasts a long time. Um, And from that perspective, I think it's really good. I didn't get too caught up in like the stitching, like the stitching it together points as you did, because I didn't notice them at first. Like the one the first time I noticed it was when it goes 
through the back of the car because you like you know how the car has like those those lines that are for like defogging you see the mm-hmm. lines on the car and the camera goes through that and that's definitely something where they would have to like stitch two shots together so they do it right mm-hmm. there and that's the first time that I was really like okay I mean that this isn't uh, this isn't entirely one take but um I personally liked the the idea of filming all of that through the car, like behind Chris Hemsworth and um, Ovi's character, because it it was interesting in that it's not really something I had ever seen done in that way, because like so many things are going on outside and like tons of people like if you just watch the innocent bystanders for a little bit, they're just like all trying to get out of the way. And that was just like. It was just like, you know, carnage, basically, like utter chaos going on. Um, And then it gets into the point where it is a little bit more like Daredevil after they get out of the car because they're going through like the building and everything. There's a couple of times in there where I was like, where did, you know, where did Tyler Rake come from? Like he was just like 20 yards away. How did he get there so fast? (laughs) um, My favorite part about that scene um is the end of it when Saju Saju comes in and the camera like follows them both off of this ledge and they both fall and then the the one take is still going and at this point I was like how is how are they still doing this one take anyway um he gets up and they like fight for a gun for a second and they just have this really cool this is my favorite part of the movie when they had this um this little fight scene with the knives and it ends with like Chris Hemsworth gets hit with a car and then he gets back up and hits Saju with the car. So like it gets kind of crazy at the end, but I, I really enjoyed that scene from an action perspective. That was my favorite no, scene no, no. in the movie. He doesn't hit Sanju with the car. He hits Brant. him with a truck. Yeah, a giant freaking truck. Yeah. <laughs> he kills him with a truck. And then Sanju <laughs> gets up like the Terminator, like nothing happened. I mean, he does have like a limp. He has a limp and he holds his side. His oh, arm broken in that scratch. scene, but it, it healed miraculously between shots. Connor, he's dead. <laughs> he's dead. There's no way a human being can take that much unless you have like the strongest will ever and i'm guessing that guy did but just oh my gosh like that guy took a beating from thor and then the only reason he escaped is because chris hemsworth got hit with a car that's the only reason he escaped death and then he gets smacked with a truck like it's not even like soft like you could feel it when it happened. Like, oh, I yeah. was like, the oh. impact is so hard. <laughs> <laughs> and not only does he get hit by a truck, he gets hit by a truck and he lands on like another car. It's like this not wood soft. pallet or something like that. Like he gets forcefully slammed back into this like array of wood or it's, something. It, it's not soft. I'm going to tell you that. Breaks his it's back. Like they, yeah. they put the physics of freaking batman in the dark knight when batman lands on the top of the car and he's fine it's like no no oh my goodness but other than like that kind of like the end where it got a little crazy i'm with you i did like it however like for me like the cuts they did pull me out but like it would pull me back in but it would 
it was kind of like a constantly like it kept like making me like oh this is a movie oh it, okay it's kind of real no movie oh it's kind of no it's a movie and it yeah it did that with me i see what I you're know, saying it's just because i i don't know i look for stuff like that in movies now and it's just like it's annoying because i know how it's done but at the same time it's i guess it's kind of good that i know because i could tell people you know i want the film cut here here and here. like i don't know it's it's one of those like it's like i'm glad i know it but it's it's like the devil that i do know it i don't know it's one of those things yeah i i definitely know what you're saying things. and also i have the the number of basically stitches or di- scenes i guess that they had to stitch together apparently it was 36 scenes that they had to stitch together and some of them took up to 25 takes in order to basically get it perfectly stitched from one scene to another. So yeah, there, there was definitely a lot of effort put into it. And so I can respect it in that way. But I, I'm kind of with you on like the fact that it wasn't a one continuous shot because it's kind, it's also like, you know, if you're going to do that, just, you know, go a little bit further and do it without stitching it together in these little areas obviously for a scene in this scale that would be near impossible so i understand that they did it that way and i don't know i i really did enjoy the scene it's definitely not my longest it's definitely not my favorite long long one take like daredevil has that title by far i think i like the first one better than the than the third one in in the daredevil series but you know it is what it is I, I like the scene, but like like you, there there's kind of like you know they couldn't have you they did they well, had I can to tell do you, that. Tell you, you know? this, like what you just said, it took twenty five to thirty times, Connor. That's like <laughs> that's a week of shooting on this one thing. That's Dude, crazy. Yeah. This like, scene took long, like probably most of the movie, probably budget and timing, like <laughs> to this scene, because like. Imagine like if you like just mess up one explosion, you have to reset everything back. You have to yeah. make it not dirty again. Like and like there's scenes where they knock down bookshelves. What if like they messed up right after they knocked down a bookshelf? That means someone had to go set the bookshelf back up, put the books back in. Let it happen again, and there's a chance that they had to redo that. I, I feel bad for that bookshelf person who had to reset the bookshelves, all the explosions, the, the bookshelf resetter. <laughs> oh my goodness! I I want to meet the bookshelf resetter and just shake his hand and be like, "Sir, you are amazing." It was probably just a production assistant. Let's be honest, but. Oh my goodness. Well, I That's gotta say though, ridiculous. the fact that there were 36 different shots within the final scene and it was only 11 and a half minutes, I just did the calculation. That means there's an approximately 32 seconds per shot. So, I mean, that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's not really that impressive when you break it down that way. I mean, the final product is still mm-hmm. good. Don't get me wrong. Like, I enjoyed it probably a little bit more than you did even but like you know it's not impressive when you break it down that way <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah i don't know it's it's one of those things you know it, i mean it was cool that they actually like tried to attempt it but like unless you have like the most skilled video editor 
um, it's going to be noticeable. Like, I haven't yeah. seen the movie 1917, but I've heard that that movie has, like, some of the fewest, like, cuts. And it is a one-shot film, like, all the way Yeah. Through. Well, I think uh, Birdman so I, is the same I, uh, way, right? Um, With uh, Birdman Keaton? has cuts in it. Yeah, okay. it has cuts in it. It's it's less that one has one shots where they will do like one take, but it it's there are definitely cuts in that film. If I remember from I remember because I actually owned that film at one point. Well, I haven't seen that one. I just heard that it had a lot of one shots in it. So <laughs> it's a good film. We should do it on this show. Yeah, we should. Uh, anyway, though, like that was a like. I said that that was my favorite shot, but again, like I wanted to uh, talk just a little bit about the action in general, because I thought that mostly the action was pretty good. Like the fight choreography, I thought was pretty great. Um, It really seems like Chris Hemsworth likes to kick a lot (laughs) in this movie. He kicks like five different guys in the chest (laughs) throughout the film. So that's definitely one that he used a lot, but like, a lot of it was just pretty brutal. Like he kills a dude with a rake. Keep in mind his last name is Rake. <laughs> uh, but they use the environment to their advantage pretty well with the action, and so I appreciated that. And like it's very visceral because like one dude gets clotheslined by a broken wall, and I'm trying to think of some other specific moments. I know there were some more that like really caught my attention, but. In general, I just I thought that they did a good job kind of incorporating the, the environment into the action. And the action came off to me as pretty easy to follow. Like, a lot of times, I'll be honest, in, in action movies, I, I do kind of struggle during fight scenes to kind of follow what exactly is happening. There was a couple times that I had that in this film, but for the majority of the film, I didn't really have that as an issue. Like, I was able to kind of keep track of which characters were where and who was getting killed and stuff like that. So, Well, now you're saying, you know, sometimes in like action films, you have trouble following. Probably because they use um, shaky cam where you're like. Yeah, that's usually what it is. Every time they like hit, <laughs> it's like all shaky and stuff. And I just. Yeah, yeah. It's something that I don't know why it was developed or why someone was like, ooh, let's make the camera shake every time we fight. But I'm sure it's literally just to add tension to the scene. That's its primal purpose and nothing more. We'll see, yeah. And sometimes shaky cam works all right. Like, I I keep thinking of the Winter Soldier. Like, I don't, I generally like the action in that movie, and they do use a little bit of shaky cam. Um, But for the most part, I don't really care much for shaky cam scenes, like, Especially like uh, found footage movies when they just try to like do the the um, non-authentic shaky cam. It it doesn't really work for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see what you're saying. They can, I can sometimes be more of a burden than an aid to the film. Right. Yeah. I think my favorite fight after the one with with um, Tyler and Saju was the one with where. Tyler was fighting the kids because it there was almost like a, a layer of comedy to it because like obviously he didn't want to kill the kids but they were all trying to kill him mm-hmm. and so he had to like be kind of creative with the way that he was taking out these kids which is pretty interesting to me I liked that they added that layer to that scene made it just 
more fun to watch, in my opinion. And that's the scene that I was talking about where, like, dude, these kids probably loved filming fighting, fake fighting Chris Hemsworth. Like, that was probably their dream come true. Yeah, I bet it was definitely fun to shoot that scene. I mean, just imagine, like, a normal adult would love that. So, like, amplify that times 10 for a little child who looks at Chris Hemsworth. And, you know, they don't see Chris Hemsworth. They see Thor. Yeah, I'm sure those kids, you know, they're like, oh, we don't want to beat you up. But he was like, well, you have to beat me up. It's for the movie. (laughs) (laughs) I just imagine him (laughs) saying stuff like that to the kids. I love it. My favorite part of that scene is when he slaps the kid in the face and he's like, piss off. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. I know. I actually wrote that down. He defeats Thor defeats a kid by slapping him. (laughs) I wrote down. Whenever that <laughs> happened, yeah, it was one of my, the one of my favorite moments in the movie. <laughs> Freaking Farhad, though, might as well be mm-hmm. Farquad. <laughs> <laughs> was that what that kid? We'll name get was? to him later. Yeah, his name was Farhad, F A R H A D or something like that. Something huh? up front. I want to say something up front. The names of these people, I didn't care about learning to be honest like i if you look at my notes i have none of the characters names in these notes oh yeah like i definitely called um saju indy and john travolta for the longest time <laughs> <laughs> like i didn't even call chris hemsworth tyler i called him thor oh, or yeah. chris hemsworth i didn't either and that's because they don't say his name until over halfway through the film Mm-hmm. Like they may they may mention it. I think they call him by his last name a couple times, but that that was an issue for me honestly. Like I was really irritated that you don't get his name up front. Like they should have done it at the scene like right before he jumps off the cliff into the water because that was that was the first time you see him. So they could have just been like, "Hey, Tyler, you awake?" You know, like something yeah, simple know, something like, like that, that. would have been easy enough or even by his last name there. I don't know. I just was kind of irritated that they didn't give you the like the main character you're supposed to be rooting for his his real name. Like they give you uh, the kid's name pretty early on. So mm-hmm. like I'm only just now seeing the names because we're looking at the cast list cast, and everything. Yeah. And it, you know, it has their names next to them in the film. But yeah, that yeah. was a that's a something mm-hmm. that uh, like this is definitely. I almost feel like that's a way that like takes you out like doesn't connect you because you don't know names in this film Mm -hmm. until a certain point and even at a certain point even when they say it it's like it was still going over my head because i just i was just like thor is fighting this guy and stuff like that yeah i i straight up could not tell you what david harbour's name in this film was like that's the one that i literally have no clue what it is Mm-hmm. I think it starts with a G, but that's about all I've got. Let me see if I can find it because I think it's yeah, you're right. It's Gasper. Is it like Oh, I thought it was like Gaston or something like that. No, it's Gasper. The one's next says incredibly thick as Gaston. <laughs> Might as well have been. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I guess that's like the I mean like the action you know yeah, stuff that, we that was, talk about. Yeah, that's that's all I really had to say about the action. Like, I, I specifically wanted to talk about that fight scene with the kids, though, because I thought it was pretty interesting. It was a good moment in the film for me. It's also kind of sad, too, if you think about it. Like, these children mm-hmm. are 
being forced to be like military um, soldiers, basically, mm-hmm. for this drug lord. Also, they have no problem with killing off children in this movie because they kill off like three, I want to say. Quite like, a bit. There's the one at the very beginning who gets headshot, like, right, like, automatically, you're like, oh, this is the kind of movie we're watching. All right. And then the, there's another one later in the film where the kid literally gets thrown off the roof. That was the worst one to watch, in my opinion. But yeah, you can go on to your next point. So, um, I'm going to be honest, something like I immediately noticed about this movie as it was, this movie was really calm and quiet for me. And like, I had my volume up at 45 on my TV. <laughs> And the movie was still calm and quiet. And I don't know yeah. why. I I don't know if they just didn't edit the sound right. Where they would turn it up. When certain things were happening. But for me personally. Like even when like there was like action. It felt like it was just quiet and calm. And it, w- it wasn't. Like a lot of this action is like. You know just visceral and riveting. And it's ugh it's in your face it's almost disgusting Mm -hmm. and bloody but for some reason in this film they um it i don't know it felt calm and quiet to me and it's funny because like even jasmine noticed like i returned the tv up to 45 we started watching another show and that show is like a peaceful show and it was louder than this film and Hmm. i don't know why it played that way for me. Maybe it was just a me thing. I don't know if you noticed this, but for me, this film felt calm and quiet, even with all of the big action set pieces they had. Well, see, I know like sound design is a very like finicky thing within film. Like one of the things I've noticed is going between Netflix and YouTube on the same device, usually my TV like I usually have movies turned up quite a bit regardless of what streaming what I'm streaming it through or even if it's like a, a DVD especially if it's DVD really cuz I I usually turn those up even more but then when I switch to YouTube dude I have to turn my volume down like 50% of the way of whatever it's on for the movie I just watched because YouTube is freaking loud so I don't know if it's just like people don't really like regulate the volumes of their of what they're filming in the YouTube world or, you know, maybe this movie just had like, they didn't, they, they lowered the volume quite a bit for, for whatever reason. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but it's, I know that, you know, cause a, a lot of the sound effects that they put in movies have to blend in with what the actual audio is that they have. So that's probably a very difficult task. I mean, I know I've even had an issue issues with it just in the, like the stupid little things that I've filmed trying to make sound good with the codex mm-hmm. and also even just with the podcast, like I try to have to make my audio levels like good enough for the human ear to not be like destroyed, but not be strained at the same time. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, is an interesting know, thing. Usually the, you're right though. Usually um, action flicks are like a lot louder and the explosions are a lot louder. So like I definitely had to turn my volume up quite a bit in the scene where they're in like that factory office, like right before the fight scene with the kids, because they were talking so quietly 
and also the scene in the house with David Harbour. Like, I had to turn the volume up quite a bit for those two scenes. It's just weird how, like, film, like, dialogue and stuff works because, like, a movie has to, like, regulate where to put, like, the dialogue and the music and the, you know, sounds of the film. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes they can get blended together and it doesn't mix well. Yeah. Which I, I think because this movie had, like, they had to figure out how to, like, you know, minimize, like, the sound just enough so you could hear Chris was Chris Hemsworth say certain things to the kid and stuff while they were running around. So I that's I, that's the thing. Yeah, I can definitely I can definitely see how it's like probably really hard for them to get like it perfect because they had to somehow make sure they had the noise, but also at the same time have you hear what Chris Hemsworth said. And a lot of the times that can be achieved by post-production however being that this film was a cheaper film they don't have that luxury because that actually costs even more money than grabbing the sound on the set it costs more for the to get the actors in post yes like in a sound more time you have to pay for the asker the actor you have to pay for a sound booth and it Mm. it inflates the price and seeing that this movie was only 65 million they didn't have that luxury. That's why a lot of times films try to get the sound on the set. Like you'll always see that. If they need the sound on the set, they will get it on the set because it costs a lot of money to like just go in and put a voice. That's why whenever you see like voiceover in films, you should kind of be like, oh, man, that's not good because it, that cost them money that they didn't plan on spending on that movie. Well, see, now that you mention it, I and, you know, very well may not have been, but I really did think that there was a couple points where they did go in post and put in dialogue, like especially during the long take. I thought that the audio sounded really weird to me with one of the things that Chris Hemsworth said to the kid. I think it was right before they went in the building, like after getting out of the car. But for whatever reason, I just was like, that sounds weird. Like, it didn't sound like it did a second ago. So, I don't know. Maybe it was maybe just, like, the, the set that they were in sounded different. Or Well, that I think they were outside for that one. Like, I think they were on location. But, like, the car, of course, was was not outside. Mm-hmm. That was, like, a, that was a set, probably. Or at least, you know, the interior of it was green screen. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got you. So, yeah, I don't know. That's That's interesting. I didn't think about it that way. Mm-hmm. But um, going along with like the filmmaking aspects, one of my points was that uh, the camera work was pretty interesting in this film. Um, there's a couple times that I noted it. One of them was at the beginning, like the very beginning of the movie, where it's kind of following um, Oju. What's, is that his name? Ovi. Ovi. When it's following Ovi through like his life and... There's a couple shots in the uh, like his big mansion, like almost all the shots that he's in in the giant mansion at the beginning of the movie. They're like really wide shots. And I think they did that personally just to show like how empty the house around him was and how lonely he was. And if that's what they were going for, I think they did a pretty good job because the shots really did help that. And so I thought that was pretty interesting. The other one was... um, 
this was actually a handful of times, and I already mentioned one of the as- one of the instances that this happens, but they really liked following Chris Hemsworth off of ledges. Like they do it at the beginning, uh, when he jumps into the the giant lake at the bottom of a cliff. So they like literally follow Chris Hemsworth off the cliff. And they do it when he falls off the balcony with Saju and they fight. And then they do it one other time. Oh, it's when he throws um, Ovi over the ledge. Like they follow him over the ledge. And don't they follow him over the edge? Like sort of at the end when he's. Yeah, I think they do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they do a little bit. So, yeah, well, they also follow Ovi off of the diving board at the very mm-hmm. end of the movie, too. So they, feel like, they they did that quite a bit. I feel like that's like a, a theme, though. Like, I don't know, like a leap I think of you faith, might be right. Essentially. Yeah, I, th- I honestly think you might be right. Like, it, it really could. Well, because he has that quote in the middle of the movie. He says, um, it's like, you don't die when you fall in the river, but you will if you keep yourself submerged or something something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that maybe that was kind of like a theme of the movie like that's that's pretty interesting though. Yeah, because now that you're like mentioning it, like you're right. They did like do a bunch of cliff jumping. I'm going to be honest, I don't remember that specific line you're talking about, but I totally believe you that he said it and it it definitely feels like it was like the theme like a leap of faith or something like that. Or like if you jump in the mm-hmm. river, you don't die unless you stay on. Yeah. That's probably like the theme of the movie. Especially yeah, well, from, I think the reason um, he's his point of view. Yeah. I think the reason he, it, he said that by the way, when um, they were in David Harbor's house and okay, yeah. it was like when they were having their heart to heart and he's like, where'd you learn? Where'd you hear that quote from or whatever? I think the reason they brought that quote up, like as a theme of the movie is because that's like Chris Hemsworth's arc is that he is kind of intentionally submerging himself in order to die in a way like he doesn't quite ever kill himself, but he wants to in order to see his family. It's almost like Deadpool too, honestly, what with what Deadpool does in that film, if you think about it. Mm -hmm. And actually, you know, it brings up because we're talking about like quotes that say in the movie. Um, the chick, um, Nick, she says, uh-huh. she's her her line she says to him after like when she's about to leave him from like mm-hmm. telling him about the mission. She says, "You're hoping if you spin the chamber enough times, you'll catch a bullet." So it, that mm-hmm. does fit into the theme that of like you know submerging yourself and trying to die essentially and essentially that's what he's trying to do in this movie he's definitely not trying to be alive anymore (laughs) right yeah yeah because um ovi calls him brave and he's like don't call me brave like you you know i'm not brave and he goes Mm -hmm. and talks about his family which now that we're talking about that i don't know if you want to say more on that but my point kind of ties in with it as well because i did just kind of want to take a minute to discuss chris hemsworth's backstory um in the film like what they do with it anyway because i want um personally i thought that he acted it really well like chris hemsworth is a, a phenomenal actor he can do comedy really well he can do action really well 
and he can freaking pull at your heartstrings, man. Because mm-hmm. even in that one scene where he's talking about his family and he's talking to Ovi, and Ovi's like, uh, you know, or he says like, why? Uh, he says, um, yeah, I wasn't even there to see my kid die. I was on tour in Afghanistan. He was like, oh, you were called away? And Chris Hemsworth goes, no, it was voluntary. And then he says, you didn't want to see it happen. And Chris Hemsworth, he like kind of breaks breaks apart and says, yep. But the way he says it, like it actually kind of like pulled on me for a second. I was like, oh, geez, man, like Chris Hemsworth pulling the tears. Uh, I, I think he he acts really well in this film. I don't know if you had any specific thoughts on that, but I did want to say that. I think he does act well. I'll be honest, like the way they were integrating the sun in was a little confusing because like the first time you see Chris Hemsworth, it like cuts to like this weird scene where you see feet and it's really blurry on a beach. And you're like, what is the significance of this? And then it happens, I think, two more times before finally you get an explanation with the Ovi and Tyler scene. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, I wish I would have known that because now it makes sense. But it's like you didn't have to go all Quentin Tarantino on this movie because where you start at the begin, the end and then yeah. go right back to the beginning and end at the end again. I don't know. It was like weird how they made that choice to put that in. I feel like it would have had a lot more weight to it had um it like we saw that flashback right after you know Chris Hemsworth started breaking down where it's blurry and then whenever Chris Hemsworth is dying later it you know becomes clear it would have had a bigger impact on me personally because they I did it so that. like they did it kind of sloppy and it's not like it wasn't like terribly bad sloppy but it was like Ooh, I noticed that kind of sloppy. I think at that point they were committed to the trope of basically only showing that memory when he's on the verge of death, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, they could have definitely shuffled that around and it probably could have played better. But did you not know that that was his family? Like until they explained it? Because I was no, pretty sure I, it was his family. I knew it was something that had to do with him. I just thought it was like, what's going on here? well yeah i'll be honest i thought that that figure was his wife i didn't think that that was his son because i thought it was a little girl (laughs) i thought it was just his wife i didn't know it only shows the feet at first yeah exactly yeah i guess he just didn't care about his wife anymore than after they separated or after his son died i guess so i don't know but anyway, like he he was able to act it really well, the emotional side of it. Like I, yeah, I really yeah, I got you. The effort he put into it. Mm-hmm. Yes, he definitely did. I definitely appreciate you know Chris Hemsworth acting pretty pretty darn good in this film. You got any other points? Oh, I have a ton. I have a, a, quite a few more points. But the next one is I want to talk about the music, and I know I just wrote down music, but specifically. I wanted to talk about whenever we see Saju, like he like kills all those men and he gets a gun 
and he's like so ready to kill like the music's like welting up it's like da, 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 da. and i was like he's about to get shot and be killed <laughs> and yeah not 10 seconds later he got shot and he was killed and i was like i saw that coming from five miles away yeah <laughs> i knew he was gonna die part, well before that <laughs> i mean i knew he was gonna die i just like in that moment like, you're, you're like, right no, yeah i saw that one coming he's, too <laughs> he's gonna die right here and then like the worst part is like he dies and no one cares about his death <laughs> that's true like chris he, Hemsworth he straight might... up walks past him and doesn't give him the time of day man he, not he even the well kid one of the kid grunts. doesn't even do yeah. anything i mean like he literally might as well have been that's one the, of the worst grunts. part for like the army like it was just yeah. it was like oh all this lead up to just kill him and that's it nothing else after yeah, that yeah i think i was more sad about his death than any of the characters in the movie mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and he he's just like oh he's dead and no one gives a fly and flip an angle <sighs> but yep. like and then it they literally not five minutes later they do it again with Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> well, I mean, you and get a little bit more care from it because the kid tries to go to him, but true. But you like, can definitely still, see it coming. Yeah, they do the music thing where it starts <laughs> welling up, and you're like, "He's about to get shot and probably die," and he does get shot. And he doesn't die, but like, you know, he still gets shot, and you are believed to perceive that. Chris Hemsworth was just killed, and that's it. And he 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 falls off a bridge, and you know we we are led to believe he's dead. But like the I like the piano, like the music that they had. I just felt like it really gave away like those two deaths, like right off the bat. Like as soon as you could, as soon as I heard them, like begin to play, I was like, someone's gonna die or get shot or whatever. It was just in that part where, like, the music, like, really, like, I was like, really? You did that? Other than that, I mean, I liked how they used, like, the piano and how that music was. Wasn't all that stuff, but, like, it was just, I didn't like how they, like, clearly told you what was about to happen with the music. And I'm sure people who are not as musically inclined as you and I are, Probably wouldn't see that coming as well, but like because I am and you are, it was like obvious. Like okay, Sanji's about to die, and then Chris Hemsworth's about to get shot and die. Yeah, that that was this. That was all I had to say about that. I gotta be honest, Freddie. I didn't see it coming because of the music. Like that's really interesting that you. Um, that you took the musical cues to see that coming. But honestly, for me, what gave it away was just the framing of the shots. Like, mm-hmm. they just hovered on the face of both of them a little bit too long for me to be like, you're not making it through the end of the scene, are you? And sure enough, bullet through the head, bullet through the neck. Like, ju- freaking jugular. So I... It is interesting that you went with the music. Honestly, I didn't pay attention to really much of the music during this film. I probably should have given it a little bit more credit, but 
I don't know. It just didn't really stand out to me, I guess. Well, I mean, it wasn't anything special, but mm-hmm. like, I liked how it, you know, it, the tone of it was kind of like hope giving, but you knew, no, it's just going to end bad for this guy and this guy. Yeah. You just like kind of saw it happening. And then especially like the last, the end, like scenes where we see Sanju, no, where we see um Ovi and yeah. um, the drug dealer, how it's like playing the piano during that and you're like one of these guys is gonna die here it comes <laughs> it again not, it <laughs> yeah. better not be the kid because then i'm gonna be pissed for real yeah but like it they did it they kept doing it with the music i just i noticed <laughs> it very well again i think it's because i have my tv up at 45 and usually in sound if it's like a in-house recording it's gonna sound a lot louder than a like a you know a boom mic recording that's just how it works because you have a controlled environment instead of an uncontrolled environment well i honestly i think the common denominator between all those scenes was that there wasn't any audio i mean wasn't any dialogue like there was no uh onset onset audio during those scenes and so maybe that was the giveaway like they had to fill it with something so they had to put music in there because if well, you remember, when Chris Hemsworth gets shot through the jugular, it it cuts to the kid for a second, and he's, like, screaming, but you don't hear a scream. Like, no noise is coming out. Yeah, um, and going on that, this movie didn't have a ton of, um, a ton of, like, talking. Like, not at all. I don't know if you noticed, like, it. this movie, like, besides those scenes where they're quiet with the music... There's a very minimal talking in this movie for an action movie. I don't know. Maybe I feel that way. Again, I think that plays into my last point. It's calm and quiet. There's a lot of people like being quiet and like instead of like conversations that kind of overlap, it's like one person talks and then the other person talks and then the goes back to the other person. And it wasn't like very like there wasn't a lot of like loud conversations unless someone was physically yelling or anything like that. But for me, that that also plays into the quiet and calm part where like a lot of this movie had very, um, very minimal, like talking audio. That's how I saw it. I don't Mm. know. Again, maybe you saw differently. I definitely, there is definitely like audio audible talking audio, but it is also a very quiet film. Yeah, I, th- I, I think I would say that a lot, like a lot of the audio in this film, or at least a lot of the dialogue, is over radio comms. Actually, mm-hmm. now that I think about it, and that's not really—you can't really get like real organic uh, um, dialogue that way. I would say the easily the best instance of dialogue is the scene where um, Tyler is telling his his backstory to Ovi basically because yeah. that one, that one kind of feels the most organic to me, I think. But yeah, that's all I have to say about that pretty much Connor. So if you want to go ahead and go on to your next point. Well, yeah, I will say that I, I, um, I want to talk about the part where I thought that they give Ovi a really good character moment. And it's the one when um, he kills David Harbor, where he shoots him twice in the chest because I was actually kind of surprised at like 
how well they showed how that affected him. I was honestly wasn't expecting it. Like usually, honestly, I was just expecting it to be like, okay, he's dead. Let's move on. But no, they like they they linger on it for a little while and they show you Ovi break down basically. And I think he even says like, I just want to go home. I actually felt for him in that moment. So hats off to that actor for being able to pull that off. Yeah, no, he even like he like leans into Chris Hemsworth and like hugs him. Mm-hmm. Telling him, I want to go home. He's clearly just a kid in a world he doesn't belong in at all. Yeah. Just yeah, literally exactly. trying to survive. It's a really sucky thing because no one should ever have to kill in their life. But like if a child yeah. has to kill, it's that much more damaging to that child because now they, they've they taken a life. They've taken something bigger than than themselves. And it's, I honestly, mm-hmm. you know, if like, Say they do do a second one. It would be interesting to see how, like, Ovi is and how that killing of a guy affected him. Even though it was and means to an end. Because if Ovi hadn't killed David Harbour, David Harbour would have killed Chris Hemsworth's character. And David Harbour would have just taken Ovi and sold him off for the $10 million that David yeah. Harbour was trying to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it's it was definitely a emotionally like capture captivating scene, especially how you know the actors portrayed it and made mm-hmm. it feel very realistic. I do applaud the actor who played Ovi. You know, if they do make a second one, I think it should be called Extraction Two: The Rise of Farhad, and Farhad mm-hmm. is your main villain, the kid who yeah. kills Chris Hemsworth oh, yeah. at the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah, that- Rise of Farhad. I didn't know his name was Farhad. That sounds like Farquad. <laughs> sounds like fart. Some of you may die. Some of you may lose a finger and give it as a gift. <laughs> That's just... Uh, we, I don't think we're supposed to be making it a comedy guy. <laughs> <We are. laughs> oh, uh, <my> God. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, man. Well, I got to say, this movie had a lot of action movie tropes in it. I don't know yeah. if you noticed them, but like immediately, like, you know, a regular action movie trope is a mission happens. To save a person or get something. And all's going well until it's the final leg of that mission and it, everything starts falling apart very quickly. Yep. And that that straight up happened in this movie. And then it's like it followed the next trope where a giant action scene occurs after everything has gone to crap. And then it it, it had the trope of the main character has somewhat of a tragic backstory which isn't in every action film but is definitely more common in the more modern action movies and it's yeah, just yeah it's definitely it like just, the war hardened hero uh-huh trope. it was it was interesting to see all these tropes like get played out in a 2020 film where an audience is a lot more knowledgeable now. And we all know those tropes now. Like, if you don't know that trope, 
you've been hiding any of these tropes you've been hiding under a rock somewhere like this there's just no way no one knows these tropes by this point in time and it was just interesting to me to see like in 2020 we're still getting a film that pulls from the classic you know um action movies where they're using very similar tropes they definitely did it in their own like creative way but like it's still like very reminiscent to black hawk down last lone survivor Uh, there's a i mean even predator you know or arnold schwarzenegger they go to do something and something goes terribly wrong because of an unknown source or someone who's all-powerful it's just like I don't know if we're ever going to get away from the trope, but I think we've slowly figured out how to disguise it and make it more interesting. And this one, for me, it was a little more like, here it is. Here's the trope. So you're just, we're just going to give them to you because we know this is a modern action flick in 2020. I don't know. How yeah. Well, you feel see, about all that? My, my take on it is a little bit different because um, like, specifically with that trope maybe not not the other ones you're talking about but the one about um basically like all is lost i feel like that's a not even so much as a trope rather than like a story beat in every movie almost ever like Mm -hmm. i honestly if you think about it just name any movie and there's probably a moment like that where it's like the all is lost moment like before like the the main character, it seems like there's no hope in sight, and then, up oh, by the grit of their teeth, they get back up and they finish it out somehow. You know, like it's mm-hmm. it's even it's not even just action films; it's superhero films; it's even romantic comedies where it's like, uh, in in a completely different light, of course, but it's like they're not gonna get together after all. But then, oh, they do; they work it out. You know, so like. I feel like it's more of just like a, a typical story beat than than a than a trope, but there are definitely action tropes in this film. You mentioned a couple, um, and they're definitely like, "Oh, you're really doing this? Okay, cool." <laughs> oh yeah, it's just an interesting thing that I personally noticed and saw, and I understand where you're coming from. Where it's like, no, it's a story beat. However, in this genre of film, the action film genre, I I I feel like they haven't learned how to integrate it into the film because like if you if you look at a lot of those movies like you're talking about like even in superhero movies they like they find a way to not disguise it but like integrate it a lot better into the film where it you know it's like it makes a lot more sense and then like Mm. the action movies i feel like it's like always like very lucky in how they somehow pulled this off sure in other films action you know superhero stuff like that there is always that bit of luck because that's just how movies are you know that they they have that fantasy like this is just a movie this is how it is kind of thing but Mm -hmm. in the action movie i personally feel they always it's a little more upfront. like it's like Oh, they they shouldn't be able to get out of this, but of course they are because it's an action movie and you can't just kill the main hero off. And even in this one, they don't kill the main hero off. Not at all. Kind of. 
We'll we'll get no, to that. No, 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 no. <laughs> well, we'll get to that, Freddie. I have some, I have some stuff to say on that. <laughs> I, I do see what you I see what you're saying though, and you actually that is a really good point because it's it's almost as if like there's only like one or two ways to show that moment in an action film, like a pure action mm-hmm. film, because it's like you know an action film is gonna have guns and explosions and. People are going to die, and that's going to be, like, the moment where... I'm assuming that's the moment you're talking about, right? Where, like, everyone gets killed off, basically, at the end? Well, like, it's not always at the end, because uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Lone Survivor. That, the point... Because that's based on a true story where, like, four soldiers were out, and three of them get killed, and one of them is left to literally survive. Mm -hmm. And that one happens yeah. really early on in the film, but that one's more like a retelling of a true story. So, but again, there's still like some like luck involved with even true stories. And like, I guess, I guess a better example of like, oh, all hope is like lost and everyone's dying. Ah, oh, man, I can't like every example I think of is like a real life story, but they always put it at the end, except for Lone Survivor. Like most movies, for some reason, they put all the death at the end to make it i guess make you feel more for the film in general and this one of course it definitely plays into that because you have kind of two major deaths which made one immediately in my perspective we're gonna get into that i'm guessing but yeah to me it's a it's an action movie thing and it's curious for me to see that this is still kind of that the action this action movie in particular didn't find a way to integrate it a little better it was more on the forefront and you could like clearly tell okay there i don't know if the guy was just trying to pay a little bit of homage to the classic action flicks or if it was just like you know this is the story we have and we're gonna go with it kind of thing which either way i'm okay with it i'm not saying this is a bad thing i'm just saying I could look yeah. at the, I watch this film and I could pick it out. And that's just me. Mm. I mean, that's what we do on this podcast. We we definitely kind of take films apart and you know show you what you have in front of you there. And that's just that's just what we're doing here. So yeah, that's just my point of view in general. I don't Yeah, for sure. I feel like one of the other tropes is that they always explode helicopters. Yeah. <laughs> It's like in almost every action film. Mm-hmm. And it has to be a helicopter that explodes at least once. Yep. If it doesn't have a helicopter exploding, it's not a real action film. Yep. It's one of the criteria. It's, okay, I'll say this. It's either a <laughs> it's either a helicopter or some sort of warehouse that has to explode. Otherwise, it's not a real action <laughs> film. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it has to be one of those two. And sometimes they have both because they're just that extreme. And sometimes it's a helicopter exploding into a warehouse. <laughs> that too. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> but, yep. <clears throat> so I have three more points now going forward. Well, since we already kind of brought it up, this is my last point is the ending. And if that is Chris Hemsworth or not. <laughs> it's him. So I guess we can go ahead and discuss this. So you think that that's Chris Hemsworth then. <laughs> would it be like <laughs> what other white dude would be standing there 
watching Ovi swim around. Like, uh, are we having the pervert from Family Guy standing there watching the kid? No. Hi there, Chris. That is... Oh, God. No. That was Chris Hemsworth standing there. And I knew... I Because in movies, the rule is, if you don't see a body, they might not be dead. That is the rule. That is the hands-down rule. Every time, like... It's happened in um, Lord of the Rings. Gandalf falls down a hole. We never see a body, but we're to presume he's dead. And of course, (laughs) he comes back. The same thing happened in Star Wars with Darth Maul. Sure, he got chopped in half, but he comes back in the Clone Wars because someone saved him and made him a robot. If you don't see a body, they might not be dead. And as soon as he fell into the water... And it didn't show anything after that. I was like, are they going to do it? And to be honest, I thought he was going to... I thought that scene with the drug lord where he's taking a whiz and someone walks in. Yeah. I thought the camera was going to turn and it was going to be him. (laughs) And to my surprise, it was the female. And I was like, okay, so maybe he is dead. And then... The last two seconds of the film, Sanji pokes his head out of the water, and guess who's standing in the background? Chris Hemsworth. He's standing in the background in a hat and sunglasses, and I can definitely tell you that was Chris Hemsworth at the end of that film, without a doubt. But you gotta consider the alternative that it's just like a, a weird dream vision thing, because they already set that up as a possibility with Chris Hemsworth and his family when he... When he's on the verge of death, like at the beginning, when he jumps off the cliff and submerges himself in the water, he starts to to see visions of his family. Well, the same thing may or may not have happened with Ovi because he jumps down in the water and submerges himself. And he's like, there's a, like a shot of him underwater. And right when he gets up, he sees the figure in the distance. So All I right. do think that they did it ambiguous. Actually, I know they did it ambiguously because I actually have a quote that I want to read out to you. But I'm just saying, like you, you, there could be multiple options here. All right. I personally like to believe that. Well, let me just read the quote really quick. So, (laughs) (laughs) Sam Sam Hargrave, the director, said in an interview about the film's ending, "This is a direct quote. We did it in a way that was purposefully ambiguous. If you view the movie and you feel like Tyler's redemption is completed through sacrifice." then you would see that in one way, with the kid honoring him through a vision. Or, if you love the character and his overcoming all the odds to survive is what made the story happy for you, then you will see Tyler Rake in that image. Hopefully people will be satisfied with the ending no matter how they feel about the movie along the way. So, they did that purposefully. Like, honestly, it's probably just a way to do a sequel if they want to. You know, like, he's not dead, let's do a sequel with him, which I think is so cheap, and I really hope they don't do that. So I personally like to believe that he is dead, and it was just kind of like an an honoring at the end. But, you know, there's no telling. All right, Connor. All right, all right, Connor. I have a question for you, then. A big question. Okay. okay. So you think Tyler's dead, and that's just a vision. All right. Okay, I get that. So, at the end of The Dark Knight Rises... When Alfred Pennyworth sits down and looks across and sees 
um, Bruce Wayne and Catwoman sitting down, do you think that's a vision or do you think he actually lived? Because I think Batman got the heck out of the Batwing and he lived. Are you telling me right now? Based off of this, the what you're telling me here, do you think Bruce Wayne is dead in that scene? Look, I'm just telling you based off of what the director of the movie said for this specific instance. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now. The director the- <laughs> is feeding you horse <laughs> That's holy <laughs> crap horse <laughs> I don't. He's just saying that to make some people feel better. I think I know for a fact that I get what you're saying. How does that make you okay. feel better, though? <laughs> that makes you feel worse if he's dead. <laughs> okay, but listen, I if the whole vision thing, it's going to get thrown off by this. We see the visions while Chris Hemsworth is under the water. No, yeah, I thought about or that too. In a situation, Sanji yeah. doesn't get doesn't see him until after he comes up. Yeah, Therefore, but there's no way to put him in a life or death situation. He's just a kid in a swimming pool. Like that would have been stupid matter. if they did that. <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> I think Chris Hemsworth. I think Tyler. Tyler. Um. What? Or the heck is last name? Tyler. Tyler Rake, Rake. The Rake is indeed alive at the end of this film okay well i have a question for you we don't see a body (laughs) i have a question for you but i'm gonna answer yours first i think that alfred pennyworth could have gone senile after losing his own his adopted son bruce wayne (laughs) and he could have gone crazy and was like i'm gonna go to paris because i bought those letters so who knows (laughs) hmm for the record, I actually do think Batman's in, alive at the end of the Dark Knight trilogy. I just want to go on record and say that, but I don't want anyone to crucify me for that. Which but means my question Tyler for is you is, how does Tyler Rake survive a bullet through the jugular and a subsequent falling into a freaking body of water? You're not swimming That's... after you get a bullet to the jugular. You can't breathe anyway. But did it go through his jugular? Dude, it comes out of his jugular. <laughs> like I don't I, think it did. I came out of the side of his neck. It comes Ombre out of his still alive. Look, it comes Ombre's. out of of his little the <laughs> sternoclinomastoid muscle, the one that that like the thick one that goes down to your uh, <laughs> collarbone. It comes out of that, and that's like where your jugular is. <laughs> Connor, I want to watch this scene. I'm going to tell it again. you. that it comes out of this guy's side of the neck and it is possible because back in like the old civil war and stuff especially if you like look at like the movies and stuff it shows people getting shot through the neck a lot in movies like that and shows like that and And they they come out all right it's not like they're perfect (laughs) i never said they're perfect I just don't think you could survive a bullet to the jugular, which, of course, it's movies. They're going to do anything that they want to, but I call bull crap on that. Uh, if he comes I, I back, don't... it's going to be stupid. I don't think they're going to make it. An... If they make another one, I'm probably going to watch it and be like, eh, I, I, I was just live with the first one. All right, I'm about to see it. It's coming up. <laughs> it's taking a little longer than I want. Freaking jugular but... shot. Nope. Side of the neck. It's not the jugular. 
That is where your jugular is, though. That is not the jugular. That is in the side of his neck. It's in the, your jugular is in the side of your neck. It's like not the, it's like the not not like the far side. I thought your jugular was right in the center of your neck. No, that's your throat. No, <laughs> I think he's fine. I've seen people take a lot more and survive. He pretty much just has it covered up for the rest of the movie. So exactly, so he's fine. <laughs> He stopped the bleeding. <laughs> He's fine. I don't know, man. I it's it's one of those. It's again. It's one of those things where I I, I don't know. I don't. I think the director is just trying to be like. Whatever you want to think is right because it's it's like it's like Black Mirror kind of things. I don't know. I think he's alive personally, and I'm sure I have a group behind me who thinks he's alive. Yeah, I don't know. The point is, like, I I'm not gonna answer yes or no because there's no telling. They they probably will make a sequel and bring him back just to make more money. Honestly, but I think he's alive. He's fine. He's got this. It's just a vein. It's- who needs those? <laughs> Still dumb. No, you telling me someone scooped him out of the river and brought him back to hell? No, man. He swam out of the river and nursed himself back to hell. <laughs> he got this. Bruh. Kind of, these are all hypotheticals. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, there's that, there's that discussion for everyone. <laughs> Oh god! <laughs> Freddie, don't die on me! Don't die! Oh, you got to survive got like like Tyler Rake. <laughs> I got shot through the jugular, and I'm gonna be okay. <laughs> so, Connor, that was your that was your final point. What was my final point? Well, I've kind of already hinted at it a little bit. How like I know I've been bringing up like the classic, you know, action films. And my point is, you know, how this film compares to the past action films. And I've already said, you know, I definitely like a lot of the past ones a little more. I don't know. That's just how I am. Maybe it's the other actors I like how they're portrayed. Because, like, one of my favorite, like, action flicks is definitely um, Cobra with Sylvester Stallone, where he's a he's kind of like a he's a cop. But he like likes to do his own thing, and in that movie, like there's these people going around picking up girls and killing them. And this one girl, you know, she gets targeted, and Sylvester Stallone is able to like help her. And the entire time, like he's trying to like save her, but it turns out the cop that's with them is is bad and is trying to like kill the girl as well. But it, it had a similar vein as this film. Of course, there was no like. That happens at one point in this movie where someone's helping them and he's like, well, mm-hmm. wait, I want to make money off the kid. But mm-hmm. that's like one of my favorite action movies of Sylvester Stallone. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger has a ton of action films that I've personally never, never seen. But to me, this one, it definitely like doesn't stack up against the past ones. However, you know, for a modern day, you know, action flick, it's definitely all right. Now, definitely, I'm going to combine these two points just so I have one point less to go over. Okay. But, like, you know, we have a lot of, like, modern action films today. This is an example. And I know you said, you know, Red Dawn is, is one. For me, that's kind of one. Yeah, it's kind like, of Like, a lot nice. of, like, 
a lot of modern action films we have the modern action star are like i don't know if you've ever seen skyscraper with Dwayne the rock johnson that's kind of like an action star action film it's a pretty good film you know it doesn't seem like it's a good film but it is because like yeah whenever you whenever i talk about action star films i look for like a film that's centered on one person and they have to go through something to achieve some sort of goal or anything like that well so yeah it's like, like know, it's the like Rocks the had his own stuff like that the man versus a mountain basically like mm-hmm. die die hard i think is a good example yes where excellent example john mcclain has to fight terrorists basically so yeah i, I you know what? i had that one when I was watching this movie, I was like, that's one I should bring up. And of course, you were the one to bring it up to remind yeah. me about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely one. And then, you know, even John Travolta, you know, has his has his own like action. It's just like to me, this is this one's all right compared to a lot of the, you know, standalone star action f- flicks and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. And I know I know you definitely you definitely have showed more enjoyment than I have personally. I did. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy this film, but like, I I do feel like this isn't one of those action films where I could like, just put it on and have it playing in the background. I feel like this one's a little harder on the heart. Again, this is definitely, it's definitely interesting to see a film like this in 2020 where you have like, you know, it's kind of like an actiony movie where you see stuff like this in a film and also yeah. i have to mention that at one point it did like whenever there were all those like explosions and stuff like i wrote it down it kind of felt which i don't know if this you can take this as a knock on the film or like uh maybe not but i wrote down like it kind of feels like a michael bay movie at one point <laughs> i just i don't yeah, know they, just... they shot a lot of rocket launchers and bazookas at one point in the film yeah d- definitely towards the end i even wrote again with the uh, rocket launcher because literally in every action film someone yeah, pulls out a bazooka or uh that's the one i was launcher. thinking about earlier yeah because that's mm-hmm. how the that's how the helicopter explodes almost in every action movie mm-hmm. <laughs> yep they shoot at the helicopter and boom 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 there it goes but yeah it is yep is an interesting thing to, you know to talk about like how action films you know have it's almost like they haven't like super evolved today in terms of like how they tell the story of course you know they're they're a lot more grand in the way they tell things like you know we have a lot more weaponry and we can fake a lot more things than we could back then even though we yeah we tried it back then but it probably wasn't executed as well as how we can do it today it's probably a lot safer now as well <laughs> yeah true but yeah that's all i really talk about like you know this is definitely one for the action film collection if you're someone who likes action films like this this is definitely a movie for you and i would highly suggest it to someone who enjoys a lot of action and a lot less like super storytelling yeah, I think I would say one of the more novel things about this in terms of it being just a, another run-of-the-mill action film is probably the the way they use, um, like, the plot of the movie is driven, essentially, I said it earlier, but, like, Ovi is basically a MacGuffin, and so, like, everyone's trying to get get their hands on this kid, 
So I kind of feel like that that may make it a little bit more novel than your just everyday action film. But also, I wanted to say that, you know, you're saying that that you didn't find this as enjoyable as a lot of other uh, classic action films like Cobra and Die Hard. And I see where you're coming from. And I think it's probably because, like, I haven't seen as many action films as you. So I think that maybe if I had your um, the amount of movies that you have seen in this genre, I'd probably be sitting Mm -hmm. a little bit closer to where you are. Yeah, yeah. I have one more point, and it's a very interesting point. Um, All right. I literally wrote down all the killing and the morals behind it. So this movie centered around, like, this town in India. I think it's... um. Yeah, I wrote it down. Well, see. they were in Bangladesh, not India. Yeah, Bangladesh. Yeah, it's a uh, Hakka, Bangladesh. Yeah, Dhaka is the, is the place. Dhaka, Hakka. I, I heard him say it both ways. I don't know. <laughs> I yeah, don't. I don't know. <laughs> and like, so like the drug lord has like control of like the government's like armed forces essentially, and Chris Hemsworth Pretty is just much. mowing down these people. Like, these are, like, literally, like, average people who are working for the government. And Chris Hemsworth's just coming in and wrecking shit. And these are, like, people who, like, legit have families at home that they feed and stuff. And, like, all of that. And, it, you know, I I would have been rubbed a little more wrong had they not actually, like, brought it up. Where the kids, like, you know, you you kill a lot. You know, do do you like killing and stuff like that? And, you know, at, at, the, at the end of the day, you know, Chris Hemsworth is literally just to him. This is more like a job where he might die. So I guess he doesn't like value the life as much because he doesn't value his own life that much is the way I see it. But like, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Like the morals in this movie are just super askew because like. Chris Hemsworth and these people are killing government officials to save a other another drug lord's son. It's very brutal and like I'm glad they somewhat tackle it, but like even after they tackle it, they still keep going on and like just killing these people like they're nothing. And like some of them yeah. are like straight up getting like stabbed like five times because like Chris Hemsworth would like stab someone in the chest. That one and was it wouldn't brutal. go all the way through. And then he would be like, I'm going to stab you in the neck now because it's the next best thing. It's like, oh, my goodness. It's like, yeah, I feel so bad because these guys are probably like normal people who just are trying to live their lives. And because a drug lord owns the police force and the local military, they have to be subjected to being murdered, essentially. Yeah. Well, you also got to think like. Uh, Chris Hemsworth's character is a mercenary like they say that multiple times and mercenaries are hired to kill so like that's his job I I guess they try to make it okay in the fact that like he doesn't kill children like he crosses he uh close, he draws the line in the sand there at because he doesn't kill a child in this film even though he has multiple opportunities to do so and I guess the only other way that you can kind of reconcile that is I guess you could make the case that these people on the police force 
know that it's a drug lord who's commanding them because they give the picture of the rival drug lord's kid as the person that Mm -hmm. they're trying to capture. So I don't know. I guess you could technically try to make that case. It, It would definitely get a little bit fuzzy because there's definitely people who just do work for the police force and they get, you know, roped into those things, not by their will. So I do understand what you're saying. Yeah, it's just something I I really noticed, and the only saving grace for me was when they, you know, they tried to like say it because a lot of like action movies like this, they don't even like try to be like, oh, we're killing just random people, or oh, yeah. you like killing these people randomly. This is one of those movies where it's like it brings it up, and it's even like it's not a central theme, but it is like a sub theme because you know later the kid kills David Harbor's character but only as yeah. a means to an end. And we all mm-hmm. see, like, it kind of messes him up. But, yeah. It, yeah it's just one of those things I that way. thought I should bring up because it's, it's definitely an interesting thing that, you know, people should know about this film. It's like, yeah, um, people just die and they're not really cared about. So I hope you're okay with that. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's my last point. Do you have any nitpicks for this film, Freddy? You know, I unfortunately I didn't like usually when I do a film, I try to like put nitpick like next to things. I think at the beginning, um one of the nitpicks I ask is because it starts at the end, I was a little confused. I was like, wait a minute, where are we at? Who are we fighting? And then, you know, yeah. immediately we we go away from that. So it's it's just um it's like, all right, well, that was semi-answered. And then I think one other thing is um, whenever we, like, go to, like, Sanji and we see him, like, calling his family and stuff. I'm going to be honest, that, like, slowed the movie down so much for me. I got bored and I was like, all right, let's let's go back to Chris Hemsworth and Ovi, please. Because I don't yeah. know, I just... I personally, I didn't need that. I guess they, tr- again, they were trying to like make you feel for him. And again, I didn't care about him until um, Chris Hemsworth asked him to come and help him. That's the, that's when right. I started caring about him. I didn't care about him any other time. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I'm fine with him having kept that um, sub theme in there. I mean, that, that subplot with him and his family being at risk. But they probably could have cut that scene out and you still would have gotten the message fine because this mm-hmm. is kind of a longer movie. Like it's almost two hours. So at the by the end of it, I was like, oh, my gosh, there's still quite a bit left, which granted, most of that was credits as I just figured out. So mm-hmm. so it, maybe it's not quite two hours. But yeah, I see what you're saying. I do have some nitpicks, though. All right, Connor, let's hear your nitpicks. I'm interested. All right. In well, these. one of them was. um Towards the beginning, when they're trying to get to that boat, and they're like, uh, Chris Hemsworth is on the comms with the the girl. And so, eventually, Saju comes through the forest and starts trying to get, the, you know, attacking Chris Hemsworth and trying to get the boy. But right before that happens, um, Nat, I think is her name, on the comms, is like, Oh, hold up. There's a whole, there's a helicopter coming towards you. And so like she sees a helicopter on some sort of radar. Sure, I can see that, I guess. But then she's like 
all right, you've got one soldier coming near you through these heavily wooded forests. How does she see him? There's freaking no way. There's like a literal red dot on her screen. There's like, that's some bull crap. <laughs> There's no way that she'd mm-hmm. be able to see him coming towards them. And then another one was, okay, when, you know how at the end they're like looking towards the, that bridge through the binoculars? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Like, there's a, super there's a, yeah. And so when it specifically in that scene, when it shows the shot through the, the binoculars, like I think it's pointed at the building, you can't see anything like the windows are maybe like two pixels of the screen. Well, it's probably yeah. a couple more pixels for you because your TV's bigger, but <laughs> <laughs> for mine, it was only like one pixel per window of the building. And then later on, there's a handful of shots. I think it's literally when um when both of them die, when both or when uh Saju dies and when Chris Hemsworth gets jugular shot. It cuts back to the drug lord and he like it's just a quick shot of him pulling the binoculars away from his face as if he's just seen those deaths occur. No freaking way. You wouldn't be able to see a, a freaking <laughs> giant Godzilla through those binoculars like you're telling me you saw that happen? No way, man. <laughs> I, I see what you're talking about. Because it's definitely like... Mm, but he keeps reacting to everything that's happening. So Yeah, because it happens twice. See. The first time it happens, it's mm-hmm. like, alright, whatever. But then they do it again. And it's like, dude, you're acting like you're watching this as a movie with popcorn. Like, what can you see? Nothing. <laughs> so, I don't know. That kind of yeah, irritated me. Um, and that's all. That's all the nitpicks I had. Well, you know, we've been talking this entire time about stuff, and I know we're, we're done with all of our points, both of us, but there's one thing, you know, we have forgotten to mention this entire time. What's that? This film was oh, produced yeah. by none other than the Russo brothers. Yeah, man. Which is amazing. Like, we both didn't know this until the credits started rolling. And, like, when it said screenplay by Joe Riso, my jaw dropped. I was like, what? No way. And then the next one said produced by Anthony Russo and Joe Russo. Yeah. What? And, no way. It's like a bunch of Marvel Chris people came together. And, and Chris, exactly. Yeah. A bunch of Marvel people literally got together and made just a action film. Yeah. Which it's is kind of cool if you think about it. Like, it's cool mm-hmm. that they wanted to do that. And it actually, you know, was ended up being pretty decent in my opinion. Like, I think that's pretty cool that they just got together and made an action flick like this. Of course, it was it was also based off of that graphic novel, too, which I didn't also didn't know mm-hmm. that it was based off of anything. So that was also interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's also good because, like, whenever you have people you know and you can work together, it makes the process smoother. And I know you said, you know, they did, like, 25 or 30 takes to get that long shot. But I bet you it was just a lot smoother process than if it had been a new director with new actors, new people he was working with. I bet you he hired a bunch of people from the Marvel films and they helped work on the you know background of the like yeah. lighting sound stuff like that i'm i guarantee it especially since this was like his first 
directorial debut, he still had help from people like Chris Hemsworth. The well, Russo actually, brothers. I didn't really say this earlier. It was another trivia thing that I had, but this is kind of interesting too. Apparently, the lead was not going to be Chris Hemsworth at first. Do you want to know the two yeah. people who were looked at as leads? Yeah. Tell or me, at, at least, you know, a, according to this trivia. So it's not going to surprise you probably, but Arnold Schwarzenegger and Bruce Willis were at one point attached as leads to this project. <laughs> yeah, but those guys are too old. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, of course. Like, oh I, don't, I don't think that would have. Goodness. Yeah, that would have been kind of weird. Now, now that I think about it that way, because they <laughs> they've kind of had their run of action flicks, so it, I'm mm-hmm. glad that they went with Chris Hemsworth in that regard for sure. Yeah, definitely, definitely a younger actor who can do all this, so they didn't have to heavily rely on a stunt double for freaking Bruce Willis or Arnold Schwarzenegger. Also, I guarantee Chris Hemsworth was a lot cheaper compared to those two. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there you go, guys. This is like a Marvel movie without being an actual Marvel movie, which is yeah. crazy to think. Anyway, I do want to know what you ended up ranking this movie, Freddy, out of 10. All right. So I told you at the beginning, you know, OK, this is a new director. So I'm going to come a little slack. So my original rating was a 6.5. I'm going to put my official rating of this film at a 7. I want to give it half a point because, you know, believe it or not, that's what I felt. You know, at the end of the movie, I was like, maybe seven, but I settled on 6.5. But hearing, oh, this is a new director. He's he's probably still like learning. You know, he's on the learning curve. Yeah. I'm going to give him half a point more and just make it a straight up a seven. So there you go. That's my rating of this film. A seven. That's honestly, I expected lower. And that's really interesting because... I, I too changed my rating like before talking about this film and really thinking about it a little bit more. I had it sitting at a 7.5, but I ended up moving it down half a point and landed on a seven as well, Freddie. So that is very interesting that we both had the same exact score of this film. Well, there you go, guys. I mean, you can't argue with that. We both came to a conclusion of seven which you know is a total of 14 so yeah that's interesting um it's a pretty good film go watch it eat some popcorn you know it's it's a nice little entertaining flick as long as you're okay with seeing a lot of of gruesome violence yeah Um, especially and some kid deaths as well so i hope you're okay yeah yeah because they happen so what do we have in the works freddie what's next for us well connor so um, finally, we got a comment on our one of our posts. Yes, and the comment was posted by Big Cheese Five Twenty One, which you know this person. I do not. Yes, this is my buddy Blake from um, Mississippi State University. We had some engineering classes together. He's a pretty cool dude. He has his own podcast too, and so hopefully one day we can kind of get him on the show. Maybe I don't know, and kind of. Sh- do each other you know uh rep each other's podcasts but yeah he said let's get some episodes on pirates of the caribbean and this is the craziest thing because literally last week i had mentioned to connor i was like you know i wouldn't mind doing the pirates films and of (laughs) course as soon as connor posts this we get a comment 
also mentioning <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, so dude. me and Connor have come to the conclusion. Well, this is our first comment. We don't know if we're going to get another one for a little while. And that's This is five movies worth of podcasts. So for the time being, guys, next week we're going to start the Pirates of the Caribbean marathon. And boy, oh, um, man. I excited because I had originally suggested it. I am very happy we get to do these. I absolutely adore the Pirates of the Caribbean films. I have a lot oh, of yeah. personal memories with them. Connor, I'm sure you were exactly the same. I'm right there with I, you. Some of my <laughs> memories involve you, too. <laughs> yep. I, I I remember gifting you some Pirates of the Caribbean toys. Yeah. I, I have that specific memory. This is a very popular series amongst my my dad and I was very close. I remember seeing the third one opening day. Remembering the lines for the theater. Like just, I have yeah. so many memories of this series that I absolutely cannot wait to start watching this film franchise. And another good thing is my girlfriend will actually watch these movies with me. <laughs> she wouldn't, she didn't want to watch extraction with me, but she's going to watch the parts of the Caribbean movies. So I absolutely can't wait for us mm. to start talking about them and I, I i hope you guys are excited just as excited as us yeah i'm uh, just to reiterate what freddie said i'm also very excited too i i too have lots of good memories i want to ask there are five films in the pirates franchise is that right yes sir okay so yeah five films not quite as long as the uh, x-men journey that we just took you guys on so this will be a little bit a little bit more tame, but also pretty wild because it's got Johnny Depp. And uh, oh, these yes. are a lot yes. of fun. These movies are so much fun. So I yes. also have are a they month and a week are they, since they're Disney movies. Are they all on Disney Plus? Like, I think I own two of them, but um, not all of them. I think they're all on Disney Plus. Um, we'd have to check. Anyways, yeah. I mean, we can figure that out anyhow. Well, and at I'm one sure. point that some of them were on Netflix, too. So I, mm-hmm. um, I think that about wraps it up. You know, we've talked quite a bit. So you're probably t- done listening to us at this point if you've made it this far. As <laughs> always, we very much appreciate you guys tuning in, listening to us talk movies. We want to talk movies with you guys, too. We want this to be like as organic of a discussion as possible whether that be through comments or, or you guys, um, you know, leaving voice messages. Who knows, maybe even at some point, like, we can try to call some of you guys in episodes if you really are interested. At this point, you know, we're, we're not having to deal with, like, a ton of different people wanting to join in, so it's a little bit easier now, I'd say, as opposed to maybe sometime in the future if we get a little bit bigger of a following, but... We definitely want you guys to be involved in any way possible. So reach out to us, talk to us, DM us. Uh, our Instagram is at Cinema Seekers Pod. So we'd love to um, get with you and chat with you there and talk about movies. Um, other than that, you can go to our podcast website on Anchor. And I think you can actually leave voice messages there that we can feature in our next episodes as well. So mm-hmm. like I said, we'd love for you to do that. Before we exit, I do want to say I just looked on Disney Plus. All five films are on Disney Plus. Nice. Everyone can watch along with us happily and enjoy the Pirates films. But Connor, you go ahead awesome. and take us on out. 
All right. Yeah, this is um this has been the Cinema Seekers and we are signing off. My name is Connor. Yep. And I'm Freddie. And we are and, the Cinema Seekers. Yeah, we will see you guys next week. All right. Goodbye everybody. Goodbye. Bye.